talking about this weekend. Thanksgiving. And uh, I, we're taking a little break from the Mark series this weekend to talk about Thanksgiving. So I've just done a little acrostic on the word thanks. And I, it's a simple outline, but I want to take you to this great story where Paul is saying thank you to some of his dear friends in ministry. I'm touched by that. Um, even, even singing um, these, these worship songs that we were singing today, I, I just, it's almost like you can just feel the presence of God and the unity and the friendship and the love that flows among us as we worship our God. That's what Paul was feeling when he writes this letter to the church in Philippi. How many of you know the history of Thanksgiving? You're pretty familiar. So some people, in some holidays, you don't even know how, where it started. So let me give you a quick sketch. In, in 1621, the, the Plymouth colonists and some Indians there in that area joined together for a feast, and they said, today we're going we're gonna to give thanks to God. And they, they called it Thanksgiving. It wasn't formally called that, but for more than two centuries, we've been celebrating. Then in, in 1863, a president by the name of Abraham Lincoln, never heard of him? He actually signed it and uh, proclaimed that we would have a day in November that we would set aside to thank God for what he has done. And I hope that this week you will be able to do that and you will be able to celebrate. Now, I just need to know this is just my own curiosity, and I get to ask questions to groups like this on the weekend, and so it's always fun for me. How many of you cook a turkey for Thanksgiving? Ham. Oh, man, not very many. Steak. Aha, aha. How many of you are vegetarians and no meat? We're going to pray for you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's probably healthier, right? Um, but I don't know how you would have Thanksgiving with, without a turkey. It's just part of it. How many of you go out and eat? Forget the cooking. You just go out. Okay, some of you. How many of you are traveling and someone else is doing the work this year? Oh, look at that. The smart ones. We need to learn from you. How many of you have family coming in, friends? You're hosting? Okay. It's, it's amazing what happens. And you look at, you know, airline tickets go up. Usually gas prices go up. I hope that doesn't happen. People travel. People go. They hang out with friends. Thanksgiving to, to express thanks. And we sort of have a tradition in our home where before the meal, we go around the circle and we say, what are you thankful for? What are you most thankful for? And it's a bummer to go second because the first person always says, you know, God and family. And the second person always says, well, God and family. It's kind of like the whole circle. So you can just say, ditto, ditto, ditto. And you get to eat faster if you don't talk so much. It's amazing that that seems to be the thing, right? That seems to be the thing that comes with this. I'm thankful to God. I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for close friends. What are you thankful for? Paul had a really strong relationship um, with this church at Philippi. In Acts chapter 16, verse 12, if you want to read, I'm not going to read it uh, today, but uh, if you want to read it, you can. It's kind of the story of when he went there and this, this, powerful, this powerful thing. He had a vision. Uh, he, he was, God gave him a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, come and help us. Come and help us. So Paul went there and he, he met this lady named Lydia. And uh, Lydia was one of the first converts. And, and they did a miracle. They cast a demon out of someone in, in, in Philippi. And they were thrown in jail. And they were actually whipped and beaten and, uh, and put in the, uh, what are those things called? Stocks. 
And, and, and then they, the government of the city officials found out that they were actually Romans, and so they let them go real fast and tried to be real nice to them, uh, or they would get in big trouble. But that's the story of the birth of this church in Philippi. Paul was there. He understood. Let me just read chapter 1. If you have a Bible, go to chapter 1 in the book of Philippians. I'm just going to read the first few verses. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I love that language. Paul knows about ownership, and he belongs to God. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. That's how he starts, and then he's going to start to get sentimental. The first thing in your outline is the letter T, and it's the word time. I want you to just jot down the word time, and I want you to think about the use of time in your life. It's one thing that we all have equal. We all don't have equal friends, equal family, equal finances, but we all have equal time. And I wonder what we do with our time and how it impacts others and how it impacts the kingdom of God. So I just want to read verse 3 in Philippians 1. This is so touching to me because it's not like Paul. He's like a tough guy, and he's getting all mushy on us. Okay, so listen to this. Every time I think of you, talking about the church in Philippi, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work in you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day that Christ returns. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Philippians 1.6. I would encourage you to memorize it. Because when God starts something, he finishes something. And that's a promise, and we can hold on to that. And sometimes when you need that encouragement, you go to that verse, and you read it, and you put it in your heart. Why was Paul so grateful for these people in Philippi? He planted a lot of churches. He wrote a lot of letters. But why was he so thankful specifically for these guys? We find part of the answer in Philippians 4, verse 15. It's a few chapters uh, away. He says, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I was first um, brought when I first brought you to the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. See, Paul was a missionary evangelist. Paul went from city to city planting churches, teaching the good news, and this church remembered him. They took time to say in a setting where they gathered together, be like us saying, hey, we're going to pray for Paul right now. He's, last we heard, he's over in Thessalonica and he has a need. And um, we know he could use some financial help, so ushers come, let's take an offering. That's, that's kind of what they did. And people gave as they could to help him do the work of God. And so all of a sudden he gets this offering from this church in Philippi. And I, how many of you know God comes through? Sometimes it's last minute. I think Paul was endeared to these people and them to him because they were obedient to God to meet needs that he had and they were desperate needs. I think these, this money came through at a time when Paul probably had just been praying, God, I don't know what else to do. 
and they were sensitive. They took the time to pray for him. They took the time to give. Who has helped you go forward in your life? I, I remember in, in Bible college, I know it's been a long time ago, but I still can remember, okay? Um, I remember going to the mail room and having the mailboxes lined up and having my little key and opening that box and I was looking for one thing. Anybody know what it was? A letter from who? From Bonnie. Yeah. If that mailbox was empty, I was sad. If it had a letter in it, sometimes it had two in it because she loved me. She couldn't wait till another day to write me a letter. She wrote two letters some days. And I wrote two letters some days. And there were a lot of days I wrote her every day and she wrote me. And I read those letters and I read them, but it wasn't just what it said, it was the fact that she was thinking of me. It was the fact that she remembered me. And that meant so much. This is what it feels like when you love someone, when you care. These people took Paul on. Who is it in your life that has cared for you and nurtured you and taken time with you? That time means so much. Time to pray for you. You know, you can tell a lot about yourself by how you pray and by what you pray for. I don't know if you journal. How many of you journal in a, in a prayer book or something? I would encourage you. I don't always journal, but I have off and on. And when I go back and read my journal, it's it's pretty eye-opening to where my brain was at the time. And I would just encourage you to be thinking about what it means to be giving time and how you pray for other people. Um, I, I love when I can get things done. I'm a get-it-done person. I love, I have an app on my phone that has a little check mark, and you can make a list of things you need to do. Anybody else like this? And it has a little box already pre-made, and so all you have to do is touch it, and a little check mark comes up. And so sometimes I just go through and do them, even though I haven't done it, because I love the check marks on the list. <laughs> but then I'm convicted because it's not real, and it's a lie. You know what I mean? So I have to uncheck them. <laughs> but I just want to feel that feeling of knowing that's done. And, and I think sometimes we, we can view prayer as just like a checklist. Okay, I'm going to go do my little prayer thing. Lord, good to see you. I don't see you, but I hear you and all that. Instead of saying, will I take the time to spend with God as my closest friend, as my God, as we were singing, as we were worshiping him, will I have companionship and relationship? Will I take the time to love others, time to appreciate how God uses other people in your life? When was the last time you just sat down and wrote a card and said thank you to somebody? Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for raising me. Thank you for investing in my life. It's really good for us to ask that question of ourselves, encouraging people, uplifting people, and, and persuading and letting them know they have made a difference. Who needs encouragement in your life right now? Take the time to do it. Okay, the next, the next word is, or letter is the, the letter H. I want you to write the word heart. Because after we're committed to taking the time to express our appreciation to God and others, we need to have the right heart. And Paul says something in the next verse about how he feels in his heart. And I want to, I want to try to capture this and I want to talk about it for just a couple minutes. Verse 7. So it is right, based on everything he just said, you've helped me, you've prayed for me, you've sent offerings to me, you've invested in me. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my, what? Heart. Now, we, we use this word. What is this word about? I love you with all my heart. 
special place in my heart. We, we use that word because it really talks about all of us. When we use the word in a sentence like that, we're talking about all of me, my whole being. I feel this deeply to my core. So Paul uses this endearing word to let people know he really means what he's saying. How do, how do people get a special place in your heart? You ever thought about this? Like, like just right now, don't say anybody's name, but just think of someone who you can honestly say they have a special place in my heart. Go ahead and think of someone. What, what is that based on? Like, like is it because they gave you a check? Probably not. They may have, but that's probably not what you thought of. The reason they have a place in your heart probably is because there's something that endeared them to you. They probably were kind. They probably gave of themselves. They probably offered something that, that you needed from them, friendship, uh, life. And, and that's really a big deal because it teaches us how we can be that special person, someone. How many people would have thought of you when I said, who has a special place in your heart? And why would they have thought of you? I just think that's good for us to think about. And it's not like we have a little checklist to say, oh, I want to be on someone's special list. I'm going to do something really special for them so I can be in their special heart list. It's not that. It's, it's a lifestyle that says, I'm going to give, I'm going to care, I'm going to love, I'm going to go beyond what's expected in my relationships with people. Because when you do that, you do a lot more than the average. And it's a lot more than the norm in our culture today, especially. So think of those people, that place in my heart. The, the letter A um, is attitude. Paul has this attitude of being grateful, of thankfulness. And I, and I want to read the passage. It's, it's the next part of verse 7 as well as verse 8. Follow along. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment. What? Yeah, he's, he's writing this from a prison in Rome. Now, that's odd, and I want to talk about that in a second. And in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you. Now, that's quite a statement. God knows how much I love you. God knows the truth. So Paul's saying, God knows. I'm, I'm telling you the truth here. For, for you, you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. He longs for them with this tender compassion. That, to me, is Paul getting really out there on the edge. You know, usually he's confronting people. He's, he's going from town to town saying, repent. He's saying, I got to build a bridge. He's correcting people in churches. He's helping people get better theology. And all of a sudden, he comes to this letter to the church in Philippi, and he says, I love you. You mean everything to me. I, th I think it's almost like he's getting teary with this compassion and this care. It's an attitude. Um, now, here's what's odd. Writing this letter from prison, I don't know. I don't know if this impacts you the way it did me when it, it dawned on me. He's sitting in a cell writing a letter, or someone might have written it, written it for him, but the, the idea is this. I probably would be sitting in the cell going, God, what did I do to be in here? I've done everything you've asked me to do. I've preached, I've taught, I've blah, 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 blah. He's in jail for being a man of God. And he's writing a letter with an attitude of care and gratitude 
and sharing what's going on in his heart. How do you respond when you're in prison? And maybe it's an emotional prison. Maybe it's a relationship prison. I don't know. We all have prison. We all go to jail at times, and our emotions get locked in. What is my response to God and to others? Usually when we end up in prison, in whatever sphere it is, we turn inward, and it's the last place that we would expect to show gratitude to someone else for the grace they have shown into our lives. Let's learn from Paul. He has this attitude, and it's a really powerful attitude. You've heard the phrase, the attitude of gratitude. I hope you'll just write that down somewhere. Put it on your mirror all week and think about what is your attitude? What does your attitude say about who you are? Have you ever uh, said about someone, they need an attitude adjustment? How many of you had parents who gave you an attitude adjustment once in a while? <laughs> so did I. <laughs> I did too. I, I've often, I, sometimes I just wish you had a little set screw right in your neck in the back that you could just tweak it, you know, and uh, turn up the attitude toward more this or that or the other, but we don't. We, we control that. We make willful decisions about our attitude every single day. Attitude adjustments are decisions that we make out of our own free will. So, so get that on this day and make a decision to say, Lord, I want my attitude to be a reflection of you. I'm living with such gratefulness right now. I got back, Bonnie and I got back yesterday. We went with Doug and Beth Miller, remember them? Dear friends, they are pastoring in Castle Rock, Plum Creek. We're connected. He was on staff here almost nine years. And Sean and Jill Miller, pastor of the church Red Rocks in Golden, West Denver. We're partnering with them with some things, and we're going to take on a project together in India. Now, I, I, I love the Indian people. The culture is amazing, but I do not like traveling like that. And, and I just, the things that we saw... Um, so moved me. This is a, a trafficking issue with children, young girls, boys, and women. And, and I'm just telling you, I have so much gratitude for the little things. How many of you have been to a place that you say, I am thankful for what I have? I am thankful. I mean, it, it came down to just even the little things when I started seeing um, all the little things that I'm thankful for. Just turning on the water. You know, you don't drink the water when you go to certain countries. How many of you have learned that? And, and you just, just to turn on the faucet, like I was brushing my teeth the first day, and Bonnie's like, use the bottled water. Don't put your toothbrush under the faucet. Well, that's really difficult. You just, you just put your toothbrush under there, right? And you slurp it out, right? <laughs> I couldn't do that. You're pouring this little bottle. And I was just so thankful when I came home. You said, I just turn the water on and get a drink of water. I'm just thankful. Those little things in our lives. So right now it's like, you know, early morning. I'm, I'm like, they're 12 and a half hours ahead, so if I fall asleep during my own sermon, I know it's pretty bad. I want to be grateful, you guys. We're going to be giving you a full report of that at the last weekend of January. You count weekend. Don't miss it. It's, it's going to be amazing. The end is for natural. I was thinking about this word. What does it mean to have a, a natural greatness rather than just a stressed uh, gratefulness? You can, you can fake it and that's not natural. You can try to act thankful, which, you know, we teach our kids, say thank you. Nothing wrong with that. It's a discipline. We teach them to be thankful. But I wanted to come out of a natural attitude in my life. How can I develop these things and have natural gratitude in my life? So I think I've put in your notes just some ways that, that we can do this. I think there's, I don't know, are there three things there? 
So here's, here's how we can develop kind of a discipline of, of gratitude. Here we go. Number one is see the little things. See the little things. Um, you know, another thing that I, that I did in India was you, you can't open your mouth when you're in the shower because you can't let any water get in there. And so it's just crazy how you're, you're trying to protect everything and it's just scary and, and just so grateful to, to have the opportunity to move beyond that and be in a country like this where there's so many things driving. Today when I drove a car, I, I, it was just amazing because the traffic is so different than it is in India and the horns honking. All of that stuff. It's just crazy. I, I'm just living grateful. Um, but I have to tell you this, being there and watching those people, those believers who live a very tough life, they have more gratitude than most of the American people that I see. Explain that. It shows that it's not what we have or don't have. It's the attitude and the decision it's this whole thing we're talking about right now. What comes natural because of the kingdom of God? See the little things. Open your eyes today and look around at those little things that we have that we can be thankful for. The second thing is start your day with giving thanks. Just, just wake up in the morning and say thank you. Thank you that I got to rest in this bed. Thank you that I get to breathe this air. There are so many little things that I, I know I take for granted, but work at finding things to verbalize to God. That, to me, creates a natural gratitude in your life. And then the third thing is say thank you often. Just make it a habit of thanking people for what they do. Find someone doing something right and say thank you for it. And appreciate uh, people who work. You know, I, I've watched people in restaurants with the waiting staff and the servers, and they work hard. How many of you are in service like that? You've, you've done that kind of stuff. Um, retail, same thing. You're on your feet all day. What, what, what is it like to have someone who appreciates what these people do? When you sit at the table, just to thank them for doing a good job, if they do, and all of that. It's just, it goes on and on and on. The, the, the next thing that I want to say is the letter K, and it's the word keep. Paul uses this interesting word in a unique way in the passage. And when I saw the word, I thought, I'm going to use that in this acrostic of thanks. It's in it's verse 9 and 10. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. I want to talk about that for a moment. Knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters because we get hung up on so many things that don't really matter. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the uh, Christ return. When I look at this process of keeping these things in my heart and living this life, he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing, that there will be something in your heart that will allow God to invest in you so that you can invest in others. He says, keep on growing in knowledge. Now, knowledge, is knowledge different than understanding? It, it kind of is. I mean, they're connected. Um, but you can know stuff. You can have a lot of knowledge in your brain, but that doesn't mean you have understanding in applying that knowledge. Um, I think it's very important for us to have understanding, not just knowledge. If, if you read a book, let's say you turn 12, and you read a book on how to swim, and it told you every stroke, how to do it, 
Would you trust that book, if it's your kid, would you take them out and throw them in a lake? <laughs> say no. Please say no. <laughs> How many of you have a 12-year-old? You would throw them in a lake. No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand to that. Um, this, is, this is huge because that's the difference between knowledge. You can have, have knowledge and textbook knowledge and know stuff. But until you get in the water and you have understanding of how your body moves and how the water feels and how it works and how, what floating is and what treading water is like and how those movements of your body, that's how you apply the knowledge of how to swim. And sometimes when we walk with God, we're really good at downloading knowledge about God. I don't want you to just know about God. I want you to know God. When you just know about God, it's miserable. Because then you think about the expectations and all the stuff that you feel the pressure of. But when you know God, you have an understanding that is very different than knowing about God. I want us, like Paul is crying out for this church, I want you to live in this. I want you to have the grace of God. I want you to live pure and blameless lives until the day Christ comes back. Step into the water. Learn to swim. The last letter is the letter S. And it's the word sensitivity. What does it mean to have sensitivity in my life to the things of God? Gratitude in this level. Let me just read verse 11, and we'll wrap this up. Listen carefully to this. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. Okay, now that's getting back to the, because the fruit idea, we're saved by faith, right? Grace. We, we step in. We pray that prayer with belief. But then... We have this fruit, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. How can I walk with this sensitivity and have gratitude in my life and do that with the rest of my life? Um, the fruit of my salvation, the aftermath, what it looks like, what it tastes like. What is the fragrance you leave when you walk out of the room? That's the sensitivity issue. Those are the attitude buttons. You know, um, we were standing in the home of hope out in the courtyard that you guys uh, helped build. And we've shown you pictures of that, and we're going to show you some more in January. But it's beautiful. These little girls were running around. They were playing badminton. I just, I just tears filled up in my eyes seeing these little girls who have come out of horrific, in, unbelievable stories. And I looked around at this patio and this open space and I just I just couldn't help in my life but to say wow Lord thank you for the freedom that these little girls now have because you were sensitive because you cared because you pray because you give we make a difference by what we give to who we believe in who we invest in we make a real physical difference and I just want to ask you the question, who are you making a difference with? Who else is in your life that you say, my life, I will be sensitive to the things that God helps me with. Anyway, back to the patio, there were trees out there and they were fruit trees. And one of the leaders of the compound was telling us about, oh, that's a such and such tree. This is a tree, the fruit that grows on that is really good. People here love it and it's expensive and they're going to be able to just go pick it off the tree. But if you walk up to that tree, man, it's hard. It feels rough. And it's like, you can knock on it, and it's like, wow, what good can come out of something so, so hard? I think it's kind of like a picture of how we are without God. We have no fruit. 
The human nature without God is not a pretty picture. Would you agree? But suddenly when we give our lives to God and we surrender, the fruit begins to grow. The tenderness, that which tastes good. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. May we be that in a culture that needs to taste and see that the Lord is good. I want you to write down three things that you're most grateful for right now. Just take a moment. It's right in your outline there. If you don't want to write it down, just think of it in your mind. Or take it home with you and do this over the next few days. Maybe share it on Thanksgiving with somebody. What are you grateful for? What do you thank God for in your life? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we can live and move and have our being in you. Thank you for your precious spirit that fills this room in a powerful way. Thank you, God, that you are a God who knows our needs, who knows our challenges right now. You love us and you care. God, I ask you to reshape us in a moment like this of contemplative prayer. Take some of that hardness out. Maybe the bark on the tree has grown old and scarred, but you want to grow some fruit there. Lord, show us how to be tender to your hand, to your correction, to your care over our lives. I thank you, Lord. With heads bowed, I, I know this is sensitive, but I just, I wanna, I'm gonna ask you for a couple responses. The first one is, how many of you believe the Lord could help you right now think of someone who needs your gratitude? They, they need to hear from you. They need for you to make a call when you walk out of here or write a card. But someone really is in your mind right now. And it, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna say this because I felt it when I was writing this down. For some of you, I want you to be open to it being a person you wouldn't think that it's easy to do this with. I want you to think about who's that person that might be least likely to receive something like that from you, but you can think of a way to thank them for a trait or a quality in their life and you appreciate it about them. Even if you don't appreciate everything about them, it's a bridge moment. How many of you can say God's putting someone in your heart that you're gonna respond to and reach out and just say thank you, no other expectations. Can I just see your hand? I just wanna pray over you. Lord, this card, this letter, this call, this word, I just, I know it's gonna be really important to some people when they receive it. Just saying thank you. I pray that, that those folks with their hands lifted a while ago will be sensitive to a quick word of thanks, that they will have that spirit of gratitude, regardless of the past, that they will express appreciation for this person you've, you've had in their life for whatever reason. Secondly, I don't know if we know when we lose gratitude, but would you really go deep and let the Holy Spirit move around in your heart right now? Are you pretty much good old number one is where it's at? Spend a lot of your time in prayer focused on you? Or can you stop that right now and say, Lord, I need to be, I, have, I need more thankfulness. I need to express that. I need to live with gratitude in my life and I'm, I'm fearing that maybe I don't. Can I pray over you if you know the Holy Spirit's bringing some good, healthy conviction right now about that and you say, I'm, I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let myself appreciate more. Just lift your hand. God bless you. Lord, I know in some ways it's all of us who need this. 
but thank you for, for prodding the heart of some specifically that would just say, I can't let this life just be about me. And I wanna live with gratitude. First to you, God, we say thank you. We are grateful. We will trust you. The last thing I wanna pray for some of you about is the circumstance in your life right now. Paul was in prison. And you, need, you just need the grace, the mercy, the help of God as you go through this. And for some of you, Thanksgiving and Christmas are just tough holidays with just the pain in your past. How many of you would say, pray for me? I'm going through some tough stuff. Hold your hand up. Amen. Amen. Church, let's pray. Let's pray for these. Lord, we know this season can be very difficult. So we just lift our brothers and sisters, our family to you. And, and I ask you to bring peace to them, encouragement to them. I pray that as they walk out of here, they'll understand you love them, you have a plan for their life. And Lord, help them to see that Paul wrote this letter from a place that was dark and tough. And though he maybe didn't understand all the circumstances of his life, he still maintained that faith in you, that confidence in you, that you are a God who knows and cares. So let us do that. Help us to be those people who will care for others, even in our storm. Lord, I pray that you will be the God of the storm, that you will bring your presence around these specifically. Amen. Lord, I want to pray for one other thing. Would you just join me in this prayer? Lord, thank you for our friends here in this room. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the church in Fort Collins, the big church with the big C, everybody who gathers around the name of Jesus. We thank you that we live in this place in Northern Colorado. We thank you for our homes. We thank you for fresh water. We thank you for food. We thank you for clothing. We thank you for chairs to sit in, for a parking space, for an automobile. We thank you for your provision in our lives. We thank you for health. We thank you, God, for people who love us and care about us. We thank you for a place where we can gather in your name and worship your name freely. Wow. Thank you. Accept our thanks as a church corporately. We offer to you, spend us, God, in this world and use us for the glory of God. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen.